Well, we have a few family traditions at my home. One of our traditions that we have started up at Christmas time over the past few years is that we will have a puzzle that is out across one of our large tables. And so as we're cooking, as we're enjoying the holidays together, it becomes kind of this nice group effort where people will run over and put a couple pieces in. And over the course of a few days, we will collectively together create these puzzles. One puzzle that we did was these uh, retro games from the 60s and 70s. That was a pretty fun one that we did. Uh, We also did a rock and roll puzzle one year. It's now framed in my in-law's music room, kind of a fun one. And then the most curious one, perhaps, was a a puzzle of images of my in-law's dog. (laughs) This one was completed a few years ago, and you may be wondering, why didn't they move that egg sandwich off of the puzzle. That was actually part of the puzzle. The the photo is the dog looking longingly at that egg sandwich. Someone snapped the photo, turned it into a puzzle, and we spent hours putting it together. Maybe not the most constructive way to spend our time, but a fun, fun thing for us to be bonding over around the holidays. Inevitably, what happens, though, is that at some point, kind of towards the end, we realize that we're missing a couple of the pieces. One year, that very dog was gnawing on a few of them. We retrieved them and were able to put them back in. Last year, my daughter decided to grab all the yellow ones. (laughs) I was just putting them in her pockets. It was a problem. When we get to that point, we realize that this is going to be a very unsatisfying experience if we are not able to fully complete this puzzle. What we are talking about this morning is the church, the various pieces of the church and the wholeness that we must have as the body of Christ. What does it look like for us to all participate in this beautiful puzzle that God is calling us into? Our passage comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, if you would like to join me. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call that you have received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love. And make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. For you are one body and one Spirit— Just as God also called you in one hope, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There is a lot going on in this passage, but at the heart of it, Paul is calling the church to unity, to take the divided pieces and to ensure that they are working together to create a unified whole. Now, in order to accomplish this unity, Paul lists a few of the attributes that we are meant to put on in order to allow this unity to exist. In verses 2 and 3, he says, Conduct yourselves with humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love. Make an effort to preserve that unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. Paul takes time to talk about these attributes that we need to be putting on, the posture that we are meant to encounter one another with, because what he's pointing out to us is that unity will not happen on its own. 
Unity is something that we actually have to work for. It's something that we have to make intentional decisions in order to achieve. Now this passage was written 2,000 years ago, a really long time ago. And when they wrote it, they never could have known that in 2020 we would be reading it amidst one of the more divided, divisive periods of our history. Scott Sauls, in his book, A Gentle Answer, says that right now it seems there are as many things to get upset about as there are things to talk about. And yet, he then goes on to write that those of us who identify as Christian have been given a resource that enables us to respond to outrage and wrath in a healing, productive, and life-giving way. Because Jesus has loved us at our worst, we can love others at their worst. Because Jesus has covered all of our offenses, we can be among the least offensive and least offended people in the world. Our ability to remain unified as the church hinges on our recognition of what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus accepts us just as we are, therefore we must accept one another as we are. First Timothy puts it this way. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Because Jesus is patient with us, we can extend that patience to one another. Because of Jesus' work in our lives, because it produces humility and patience and gentleness, acceptance and love, we are called as Christians to model that for one another and for the world. And when we do that, it produces unity in the spirit. Now we have to be intentional about reminding ourselves of our need for Jesus, of producing those attributes in our lives because the reality is that unity is not something that's really easy to achieve. Living our lives day to day as the church with one another, it doesn't mean that our differences go away. Unity doesn't make differences go away because unity is not the same as uniformity. Uniformity in the church, especially, is pretty easy. It's easy for us to be in relationship with people who are like us, who live similar lifestyles, have similar backgrounds and interests and hobbies. It is, it's pretty simple for us to connect with those who are common and hold things in common with us. But that isn't the same as unity. That's uniformity. Unity is harder. Unity is what happens when members of the church, with all of our differences intact, keep our eyes fixed on the mission of Jesus above all else. This is what Petey preached last week, that the one thing that we must have in common is that we must keep our eyes together fixed on the mission of Jesus. Now, an amazing thing happens when we are able to do this, when we're able to stay unified as a church. 
If you look back at our passage from Ephesians, starting in verse 4, if you have your Bibles, if you would count with me the number of times that we read the word one, that number one. I'm going to start in verse 4. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. That is seven instances of the number one showing up. Now, when something seems redundant or repetitive in Scripture, and it can be kind of hard to parse out why does that happen over and over again, it's usually, usually a cue that we need to dig deeper into the passage. Because in Scripture, numbers can have literal meanings. The number can just mean what it is. But it can also have a symbolic meaning. And in this instance in particular, the number seven actually points us deep into Scripture. It points us all the way back to Genesis 1, to the creation of the world. Can you all in the sanctuary and you at home shout out how many days and nights are involved in the creation story in Genesis 1? Seven days and nights. And after seven days and nights, God had created the world, God had rested, and the world was in a perfected state. That's what happens when seven days and nights pass with God. Throughout scripture, the number seven indicates the fullness, completeness, and perfection of creation. So when Paul, in Ephesians, calls the church to oneness in body, spirit, hope, Lord, faith, baptism, and God and Father of all, when he calls it, us to that seven times in a row, the ancient reader, the person who was first reading this, would have read it, and in their minds it would have brought forward a picture of the perfected whole creation that God had made in the very beginning. Paul lists these seven pieces of the church that must remain unified because what he is telling us is that when we, as the church, remain unified in Jesus, we actually have the opportunity to physically embody that perfected creation that God made. At the beginning of the world, we become a physical manifestation of what God had always intended for us to be when we manage to stay unified together as the church. This is before sin entered in. This is before the fall and before all of the factors that would start to divide us and pull us apart. When the church remains unified, we provide a counter-narrative to the division the brokenness into the sin of the world. We become a testament to the world of God's creative activity in our midst. We shine that light into the world. Now you may be asking, that sounds beautiful, what does this actually look like on the ground for us though? And we don't actually have to read that much further in Ephesians 4 for us to see how Paul envisioned us living this out. In Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 13 we read, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God equipped the church for works of service that would live out this unity to a world that was broken and divided. Two of the greatest signs that we are living out this call to unity in the church. There are two that I want to talk about this morning. One of these signs that we are living out unity is connection, and the second is contribution. One sign that a church is living out this call to unity is that the members of the church have regular healthy rhythms of connection. Now this year, I don't know about you, but I have relied on internet and on Wi-Fi more than I have ever had to rely on it before. Have any of you this year been on some sort of video call or phone call that had a bad connection? Has anyone been there? I was there just last week. I was on a video call with someone. I thought that they were listening to what I was saying. I thought they were hearing my story. But then soon I realized they weren't connected with me at all. And then they're holding up a book to the screen that they're wanting to show me. But I have no clue why they're showing me it. And it was just a bad connection. We ended up losing that sense of connection because of our lack of Wi-Fi. When our connections are unstable, we lose our sense of unity. Now, connection in the church looks much different in 2020 than it has before. We all went through a season where we really had to reevaluate our normal rhythms for connection. And we realized that a lot of those just weren't going to cut it. If our normal rhythm for connection in the church was hanging out in the great room or in the commons after services, that just wasn't really going to happen in the same way this year. In lieu of our standard venues for connection, God has still provided for the church. September is our kickoff month, and Emily at the beginning of the service shared so many opportunities. We have so many opportunities for doing ministry here at CPC and for participating in the life of the church. If you are someone who is newer to CPC, We have had people who have been watching online newly and are starting to get involved. If you are one of those people, I would really encourage you in this season to find a new way to connect. There are some simple ways, some ways to get involved just through participating in ministry this year. But we even have a coffee with a pastor button. And we have been meeting with people out on our patio and in our memorial prayer garden, grabbing coffee with them or even over Zoom. We would love to get to know you. Because if we are going to remain unified as a church, we need to know each other's stories. We need to be able to know each other's faces and stay connected in that way. Many of you have been around CPC for many, many years. And I think there are two particular challenges that many of us face if we've been invested here for a long time. The first is that some of our regular groups aren't able to meet. That's just the reality of of what this season looks like. If you're in one of those groups, I would encourage you to just take time to pray, to see if God is inviting you into a new way of connection, into a new class or a new Bible study or something that you've just been curious about. The second thing, the second trap that we can really easily fall into is that when we are here and invested in community for a long time, often our connections become the same connections over and over again. We get comfortable in our our small group. We get comfortable in our classes. And those relationships, it's a beautiful thing when they go deep. But then we can easily miss the opportunity for new connection. 
My challenge, if you consider yourself a deeply invested member at CPC, don't leave 2020 without creating a new connection, without connecting with someone new, getting to know someone's story and sharing your story for the first time with someone new. This is how God calls out unity and shows the unity that we are living out. Now you may be thinking that I am just encouraging this because I want us to have more flourishing social lives or I want us to be more, um, uh, to, just to know each other more in the church. But the truth is that when we are living out this kind of connection, we are following the command that Paul is giving us in Ephesians to unity. We will contribute if we connect with one another. We will contribute to this vision in Ephesians of the church as this original, perfected, whole creation as we intentionally connect with one another. Because then, difference and judgment and sin, all of those things that have a tendency to separate us and pull us apart, they will not do that to us in the way that they are at work in the world. For those of us who are social people, we may love to form new friendships and connections, but this is about something bigger. This is about us testifying to the world that the God who we are following is in our midst and it is pulling together this unique interwoven community, not because of the similarities of our lives, but because of our shared commitment to the mission of Jesus. The second sign that the church is living out this call to unity is that every member has a meaningful way to contribute to the life of the congregation. The church that I attended when I was in college, it looked a lot different than CPC does. It was in a small town in Indiana, and the church was actually held in an abandoned elementary school. Um, so every Sunday we would go into this gym and two to three hundred people would come to worship, but we would pull these creaky bleachers out from the wall and um, unfold these kind of rusty folding chairs. I remember walking down the hallway one day and a ceiling tile just hit the floor right in front of me. <laughs> it was a very different building and a very different setup. Within two months of me attending that church, I was at that church multiple nights a week helping serve because this was an all-hands-on-deck church. We had one senior pastor who was carrying and envisioning where this church would be going, but it required all of us to participate in order for it to function. Dallas Willard once wrote that churches are not the kingdom of God, but they are primary and inevitable expressions, outposts, and instrumentalities of the presence of the kingdom among us. They are societies of Jesus. If you think about a society, we have to have everyone involved and everyone contributing in order for the society to function. When these societies of Jesus remain focused on Jesus above all else, we become a testament to God's creative power. I think the danger that it's easy for us to fall into in the church, though, is thinking that this Society of Jesus stuff applies, first and foremost, or maybe only, to the staff of the church. That the staff are the ones who are the real society members, who are doing all the work in creating the Society of Jesus, and that members show up and are visitors on the weekends. God calls each and every one of us 
each and every one of us to contribute, to be a full society member, to know exactly how you are contributing to this church being the society of Jesus in the world. Now we have an amazing congregation. One of the highlights of my week was that I got a photo texted to me from some of our lay care ministers. They were hosting a garden party out at Vernon Terrace for some of our seniors who they've led a Bible study for for years. They're all out there sharing the, the love that they have for one another and their love of Jesus outdoors. It was a really beautiful thing. There are so many stories that I could highlight of our lay people stepping up and giving of their time and their gifts and their energy and resources. There's one, though, that I just have to share because it goes under the radar. Not a ton of people know about it. So when you all show up for worship on Sunday mornings or when you all are watching worship online, we have these slides, we have lights, we have microphones, we have all of these things that make worship look pretty, uh, very pretty here at CPC. What you may not know is that a lot of what, uh, what is making this happen, it's a small group of high school students who have actually gotten trained on how to run slides, how to do sound, how to do lights, how to make all of this happen. And they're volunteering their Sunday mornings to work up in our sound booth and in our video booth so that this actually takes place. This is contribution on the ground in a really beautiful, cool way that this, these students are choosing to give up their Sunday mornings to help contribute in whatever way they can. There are so many stories that I could share of our members giving of their time, but this is one of the outcroppings that we have to continue to encourage because a marker of our unity as the church is that we are all contributing that every single piece of this beautiful puzzle called the church is using its gifts and skills to live out the mission of Jesus in the world. Now again, I am not encouraging this just because it would be nice to have more people involved or because staff wants to have less on our plates or something like that. That's not the purpose of this. When we have every member of the church contributing to its betterment, we are communicating unity to a world that is broken and to a world that is retreating and saying no. As we say yes to serving, as we say yes to giving, our time and our energy, we become reliant on one another. We weave ourselves together to co-create the church that God had always intended. Just as the creation in Genesis is interdependent on itself, the sky and the earth, the land and the sea, the creatures and the vegetation, none of these things would exist without the other. The church has to be interwoven, interdependent on one another, every single person contributing. And when we do that, we are communicating unity, the kind of unity that Paul had always envisioned for us. This unity that we can acquire that produces connection and contribution then necessarily moves outside of these walls. As we go this morning, I want to give you two questions just to ponder. The first is, what is one new way that you can connect with someone at CPC? One connection that you can make, whether you're new, whether you've been around for a long time. The second is, what does contribution look like for you in this season? It may be the same as it has all along. It may be a new way for you to contribute, though, with your gifts and skills to the life of CPC.
Next week, Pastor Emily is going to be talking more about what it means for us to be a church on a mission, taking this unity that we have as the local church and moving it outside these walls and into the world. Because the truth is that when we live out this unity, not a uniformity, not drawing close together because we have similar things in common, but when we draw close together in unity, accepting each other with gentleness and patience and love, when we live out this deep call to unity that Paul gives us, we are a living testimony of the transformation that Jesus is doing in the world through us. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your church, for the small society of Jesus at 70th and 100. God, we praise you for the work that you are doing in us, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to convict us for how we can live out this unity in a deep way. God, we pray that the manifestations of this unity would continue to show connection within our congregation, that it would allow our members to all contribute out of the gifting that you have given them uniquely. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in deep ways, even today, comforting those who need comfort, providing connection for those who feel isolated, and challenging us, Lord, to think about what it means for us to be your body. Lord, let us keep our eyes fixed on you, on the mission of Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen.